Welcome to the Love and Context Podcast, engaging in unscripted conversations with your hosts, Ben and Spencer. Whether you're tuning in from your car, your office, your home, or anywhere in between, we are so happy to have you join us today. Our mission is simple, to explore the Bible through a powerful lens of love. Together, we'll uncover fresh insights and gain deeper understandings of how we can love God and love the people in our everyday lives. So buckle up and join us on the spiritual journey as we discover timeless wisdom that is just as relevant today as it was thousands of years ago. Without further ado, let's dive right in. Welcome back to the Love and Context podcast. If you didn't stop following us after the Q&A, we appreciate that you're still here. So, And if you are just discovering us, you should go listen to the Q&A. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. We were going along pretty good. And then the last question, a uh, nice softball in there for Spencer. And that's it's the question that'll probably get him most wound up in uh, conversation. Especially when it comes to theological topics or conversation. That last question, I was like, as soon as Ben read it, I was like, Oh, we're going to be here for 20 more minutes here. We I, go. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know because I haven't edited it yet. Like those of you know how podcasts work. I know that we had over an hour's worth of material. So we'll see where that actually edits down to. So, because there, there are things where when we're recording, like you definitely don't want to hear, for example, if we're having carbonated beverages, there are things that happen that you don't want to hear on the podcast. Ben burps a lot. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I do. I, I get like air pockets and it's just, you know, it's got to happen. So you're like, I don't need to know this. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Well, you know, like the thing about the thing about the Love and Context podcast is we want to be real. We want to be real with you guys. Uh, so today we are actually starting to go through the book of numbers. Yeah. We made it through Leviticus. And I think we found that book was completely different than a lot of people anticipate. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Spencer sounded weird because he got cookie in his mouth. Hey, don't let him know my secret. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the ongoing secret of this podcast is you eat food all the time while we're recording. Yeah, I, I can't stop burping. You can't stop eating. Ben laughs because half the time we record, I'm eating something. It was sweet potato fries, spicy chicken sandwiches, cookies. It doesn't matter. One time it was just like two chunks of cheese. Yeah. And yeah, I was just eating. Yeah. And when you when I say he say chunks, he literally just chunks. Like they weren't cut right. <laughs> they were just like, chunk. I think he just ripped it off the side of the loaf. At this point, people are going to be like, this Spencer guy sounds really weird. Yeah. Well, to be fair. Spencer is really weird, and so am I. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're going to be in the book of Numbers. One of the things that I find interesting about the the book of Numbers is when you have conversations with people about this book, they typically are like, oh, yeah, it's a lot of numbers, which yeah. seems like very on point. And, oh, yeah, of course, it's, it's a book of Numbers. The problem is most of this book is actually stories. Yeah. I think the temptation, like, we were like, oh, it's genealogies. I was listing these. I was like, actually, uh, that happens a lot more in Chronicles, like mm-hmm. second, first and second Chronicles like these huge genealogies uh, in the book of numbers, like it happens and they talk about like the list of all these people and which is really important. And we're going to talk about why that's important today, but the book of numbers uh, actually has a lot of stories that you would assume are somewhere else in Torah. Yeah. A lot of what's going on with Israel after they leave Sinai. So to get us, us talking about where we're going to be going, the beginning of numbers has this conversation about genealogies and how they're going to be set up and who gave what and all the things listed by tribe. And then there's some uh, specific instructions for um, the priesthood and for like vows that you'll take. Uh, they have the Aaronic blessing that takes place in here, mm-hmm. uh, which is going to be a great episode. We're going to talk about that. Uh, then they talk about the offerings. There's obedience. And then they uh, go about following the cloud. As God moves, they follow the cloud. 
And then as typically happens, the desert's hot, things get uncomfortable. Yeah. And people start grumbling. That's kind of what happens in the middle of uh, the book of Numbers. They start grumbling. They're like, oh, I don't know if I trust God. I don't know if I trust this Moses guy, all these different things that are going on. And so then they actually send people into the promised land because God takes them directly there. Yeah. And they bring back this bad report and are like, yeah, I don't think God can handle it. So God doesn't let them go into the promised land. And then they end up wandering the desert for 40 years. Like these are all the stories that happen during the book of Numbers. Yeah. You have the death of Miriam takes place in there. There is the death of Aaron. There's the story of the bronze snake, which should be familiar with people who read John 3, mm -hmm. right? There's this whole conversation with this prophet by the name of Balak and Balaam. Mm -hmm. Sorry, Balaam is the prophet and Balak is the king who doesn't really want to get run over by the Israelites. Mm -hmm. And this whole conversation then on the back end, once again, it comes back to genealogies and specific numbers having to do with the tribes. Yeah. That's the functional aspect of the book of numbers, mm -hmm. right? And so there's a lot going on in this book that I think we assume happens elsewhere. Yeah, it happens in the desert and these wandering times. Yeah. So today we're going to be tackling kind of numbers one through four, those chapters right there. So if you want, pause the episode, go read those chapters, come back to it. If you have those chapters memorized, good for you. You can follow along then. But we want to kind of focus in there today. Yeah, we're going to briefly reference like chapter 32 through the end mm -hmm. as well. So be familiar with those because there's a lot of like similar types of things going on in both of yeah. these areas. Yeah. Let's just take a look right at the beginning of the book of Numbers. It says, the Lord spoke to Moses in front of the tent of meeting in the desert of Sinai on the first day of the second month of the second year after the Israelites came out of Egypt. Okay. So they're at Sinai and God comes and he says to them, I want you to take a census of the whole Israelite community mm -hmm. by their clans and families, listing every man by name, one by one. You and Aaron are to count according to their divisions, all the men in Israel who are 20 years old or more and able to serve in the army. One man from each tribe, each of them, the head of his family is to help you. And then he lists like this huge list of people who are actually going to uh, participate. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. You got to take a census because you need to know who was there. Yeah. You need to be able to track like in your family, where were you? Mm -hmm. Were you a part of the community and what was going to be happening? Right. So then these people that are appointed are leaders from their ancestral tribe and they're the heads of the clans of Israel. So these are the people who are going to actually be in charge and be leadership inside of the clan of Israel overall. Mm -hmm. Right. So God says right away, hey, we're going to be heading out into the desert and we're going to need some sort of organizational system. Mm -hmm. And we also got to know what we got. Mm -hmm. Take a census, appoint some people, put them in charge. Make sure that, because otherwise, I mean, what's Moses going to do? He's like, yeah, we got like 400,000 people. I counted last night. It was, it's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, it's an estimate. And so you got to be able to divide and like actually understand how these numbers work. Um, now in uh, desert dwelling, that's going to be really important because you have this massive group of people walking all over the place all the time. How easy do you think it is for people to get lost? It's very easy. Yeah, it's very easy. So you also have to know where they're going. They're headed into the desert. The desert is scarce on resources. There's not a lot of food. There's very little water. There's very little shelter. There's very little material to build shelters. All of these things, right? And not and it's not like you're taking five people into the desert and trying to figure out how to survive with five. Right. You're taking the number that is actually listed here is 603,550. Right. And that's the men. Yeah, so there's more than that. Yeah, so you're probably well into the 
let's just double that and say 1.2 million. Right. At least. Roughly. Yeah. At least. Okay. Probably closer to 1.5 million people in the desert trying to survive. Right. And also trying to stay together. So please understand like these rules where they're talking about how do you live in community with other people. You're going to be out in the desert with hundreds of thousands of people mm-hmm. and it's hot and you see water and you're all like, I want to drink some water because I'm hot and thirsty. Mm-hmm. The desert's real hot. You're welcome, Pastor Nick's wife. The desert is real hot. And and, and so there's going to be this temptation to serve myself first. And yet this instruction, the focal point in Leviticus, love your neighbor as you love yourself, right? And then you love your the foreigner among you like you love your neighbor. Mm-hmm. So we're saying love your neighbor as yourself as they're wandering in a hot place with limited resources where your natural inclination is going to be out for yourself, mm-hmm. not out for your neighbor. You might actually say that love for neighbor is best demonstrated when you have a lack. Yeah. yeah. Do you actually have love for neighbor? Mm-hmm. It's really easy to give out of excess. Oh, yeah. It's a lot harder to give out of need. Yeah. Side note, little caveat, 10 seconds here. Learn to be generous when you're poor. Yeah. I actually have nothing to follow up. That's, yeah. So the Levites are going to be, of course, in charge of setting up the tabernacle, putting, setting it up, taking it down every time that they go. One of the reasons that the tabernacle being easy to set up and take down, and it's way different than a lot of the other temples of the day, is because they're having to literally set it up and take it down on a daily basis, mm-hmm. right? I do think that it's really important to note that every time God moves, the cloud moves, they move the tabernacle, and then when the cloud stops, they set up the tabernacle, and God dwells there, and the people mm-hmm. follow him. It also says in the Bible that the cloud is placing protection over them. It's making sure that their clothes don't wear out. It's going to be talking about that in Deuteronomy, and that that they're protected from wild animals, which is going to be really important later in the book of Numbers when we talk about the bronze serpent. I want you to keep that in your head. It's six episodes away. Have you also ever just considered the practical implication of a cloud in a desert? Oh, yeah. Shade. Yep. Yep, because I don't know if you guys heard us say this, but the desert's real hot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the Lord, by being a cloud during the day, is providing shade, in right. one sense, providing shelter for the Israelites. And the entire time knowing that the presence of God is moving with you. Yep. Like that's huge, right? So they, in a very practical sense, they've got to keep track of everybody. So you're going to have households down to tribes, down to, you know, more and more small units so that nobody's left out, right? Yeah. Because Moses can't keep track of 650,000 people. No. Like he can't do it. There's no physical way for him to do it. In Numbers 11, they're actually going to talk about the 72 elders and- even you think about 72 people in charge of 650,000, that's a lot. That's a lot of responsibility. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's no wonder that Jethro comes back in, in Exodus 18. He's, listen, you can't adjudicate everybody's issues here. Like, you cannot do this. Like, this is not going to work well. That would be so exhausting. So Just exhausting. Sitting there over and over again, someone coming in. And I imagine the complaints aren't too different from each other. Can you imagine if, let's just take a big company like Apple, because yeah. you love iPhones. Can you imagine that the CEO was taking the complaints for the entire company? It'd be hilarious. Yeah, it would be hilarious. <laughs> but but like that would be ridiculous, right? Because yeah. you would actually have people who take complaints. And if that complaint has merit, then you bring it up to your next supervisor. And it might eventually get to the CEO. Yeah. But most things can be handled long before they reach the CEO because the CEO has to focus on other things. Yeah. Right? And so Jethro's instruction is very practical. Like we see here in numbers, how they're numerating people so they can keep track of who's doing what and how many people they have where, because you've got to, you're going to be in the desert. There's people going to be all over the place. You have to be able to track it. And 
we saw back in uh, earlier in Torah that they were attacked by the Malachites in the desert. And the Amalekites were a desert war tribe that tended to pick off the weak people, Mm -hmm. right? Which actually plays well into what's coming up in chapter two. They actually start arranging the tribal camps when they travel. Mm -hmm. Now, it's really easy when you're reading this to actually miss what's going on. When they travel in the front of them, the first tribe moving forward is the tribe of Judah, Mm -hmm. which is the biggest tribe, the strongest tribe. Yep. So the entire caravan, the group of people, whatever, however you want to look at that, like they are placed in the front. Mm-hmm. And can you guess where the second strongest tribe is placed? In the back. In the back. Because you would never put your weak in the back. You would mm-hmm. put your weak in the middle. Yeah. Marty Solomon, the host of the, one of the hosts of the Bama podcast, has a statement that I love. He says, where you find your weak and marginalized in your church tells me who you trust. And what he means by that is if you're weak or marginalized or on the outside of your church, that you don't actually trust in God, you're trusting in your might to actually protect you. Yeah. But if you're strong or on the outside and you're weak or in the center, your widows, your orphans, your aliens are in the center, being protected by everybody else around them, then you know which story you trust because you're taking on the heart of God in that story. Yeah. Yeah. The other side of that on when they're camping is that... Mm -hmm. Uh, the Levites are always in the center, mm-hmm. right? Because they're carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They're, they're carrying all the pieces that go with the temple. Yeah. Right? And uh, when they set up camp, they set up camp with the strong on the outside and they're protected against each other and God is in the center. Mm-hmm. Right? This is, this pictorially, what is that telling the Israelites? That God's the center of what we're doing, that he is in the middle of everything we're doing. Also, it paints a cross. Yeah. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. Mm-hmm. I just think that's a, you know, I think people can definitely read too much into that, but it's a really cool thing to look at. Yeah. And there's practical implications for there being a cross. What that does is it actually gives you 360 line of sight. Mm-hmm. So that's one thing it does. And it also gives you time for neighboring tribes or tribes that are traveling with you to pivot, other stronger tribes to pivot one way or another if you are being attacked from one side. Mm-hmm. So I want to point out something because I think we read past statements like this in the Bible way too frequently. So at the end of chapter two of Numbers in verse 34, it makes a statement. So the Israelites did everything the Lord commanded Moses. Mm -hmm. That is the way they encamped under their standards. And that is the way they set out each of them with their clan and family. We have a tendency to talk about all the Israelites do wrong in the desert Mm -hmm. and they do plenty. Like that, we have whole episodes where we're going to be talking about the grumbling and mistrust of leadership, and yep. bad reports, and all these different things. I think it's important to note that they also do what God tells them to do. Yes. Like it's not just the one, it is the other as well. Absolutely. Um, and that's very relatable to our own lives. There are seasons in life where we are probably more obedient to God and probably seasons where we're less obedient to God whether that's intentional or unintentional. Even those who draw, even those who follow God on a very close level, they have their moments where their obedience might be lacking. Right. Mm-hmm. And then carrying out through the rest of three and four, mm-hmm. uh, it's going to be talking about the Levites, the Gershishites, the Kohathites, like a lot of ites, right? And like how they're arranged because these are specific segments that are responsible for specific things. Uh, I think it's really important to note that God is being setting them up in a very specific way so they understand yeah. exactly who they are. Yeah. 
right? Right. And like they understand exactly like the platform of which they're uh, walking from. And uh, I, I thought it was interesting. I got to find it here. That that phrase is repeated. I mean, you take a look at chapter four forty nine. At the Lord's command through Moses, each was assigned his work and told what to carry. Thus, they were counted as the Lord commanded Moses. This happens over and over again, right? Mm-hmm. It happens over and over again. They did what God commanded. They did what God commanded. And I think it's really important to note that because otherwise we're just like, oh, well, you know, they like silly Israelites. The bigger issue in not recognizing that is we fail to realize that our lives are like that too. Yeah. Like we have a lot of like times where God says, I need you to do this. Great. We did it. We did it. We did it. And then we have other times where I don't think God can overtake this land. Mm -hmm. Or at least I don't trust that God can overtake this land. I don't think God can free me from the stronghold of my life. Right. I think this sin is too strong in my life. I believe my sin is too bad and that God can't overcome it. Mm -hmm. If you're thinking that, that is a straight up lie. Yeah. I got a toilet. You can flush that down. Mm -hmm. Because that is something that needs to be flushed away. Mm -hmm. There is literally no thing that you can do. No thing, nothing Mm -hmm. that you can do that can separate you from the love of God. Yep. He will literally crush everything in between you and his presence. Amen. But you got to want to come close. Yes. Right? Yeah. So the book of Numbers is interesting. Mm-hmm. There's going to be a ton of really just, just there are going to be some tough stories in here. And so we want to tell you guys, just kind of buckle up because this is going to be the hard one. Uh, Deuteronomy, yeah. we're going to be doing a lot of recapping because Moses is coming back and he's saying, looking back on everything that's come and basically giving him a second law or second interpretation of the law. Now, mm-hmm. one of the reasons that's happening in Deuteronomy is a lot of the people who are about to go take possession of the land weren't the ones who were at Sinai because those guys were out in the desert for 40 years and died. And so we're actually talking about the people who are new that are going to be going in and he's giving them a charge again yeah. and reminding them of mistakes that they made along the way. Yeah. And the book of Numbers is an oddly comforting book if you're in your own season of wilderness right now. Yeah. Because it it's very relatable. When you understand it in that context, it'd be like, man, well, like I've been there. Like, I've complained about not having enough and seeing the Lord provide and it just wasn't how I wanted him to provide. And it was frustrating. You know, like the book of Numbers can be a really comforting book for that in the sense of just very relatable and all of that. So other things that the book of Numbers does iterate at the end. So you get to the end of the stories, right? And it starts talking about like how the land's going to be divided, all these different things that are, are coming up, right? But in chapter 33, it actually talks about where the Israelites went. I think that it's really important that you actually know these things because it's actually memorialized into scripture. Yeah. So they actually understand like, hey, when we say we were in the desert, right, Mm -hmm. grafted into the story, we know where did we actually go, right? Yeah. And so 33, like it says that they leave Egypt and the first place that goes Sukkot. By the way, that's going to be a really important thing to note. When you actually talk about the Festival of Booths, we're not going to talk about it right now, but that's the first place that they end up. And it goes through all these different places that they go. Then it deals with the boundaries of Canaan and like all these different things at the back end. It talks about towns for the Levites, cities of refuge, like these things that are basically like, how are you going to make sure that peace reigns among you guys? Mm -hmm. Where are the Levites going to stay? How are they going to continue to put the story on display for all people to learn? And then the last thing that happens in the book of Numbers that I want to reference Mm -hmm. before we start going into stories past today yeah. Right. Is in chapter 36, it's the inheritance for Zelophehad's daughters. Okay. Say that 30 times past. Right. 
And the reason I like to point out this story is because we have this tendency, coming back to our, our last question in the Q&A mm-hmm. last week, we have this tendency to devalue women mm-hmm. in the story. Yeah. And then there's a story about these daughters where their dad dies and there's no male heir. Mm-hmm. And so they're basically going to be left with nothing because that's the rule of the land, right? It was a patriarchal society that was going to be passed through male descendancy only. And God says no. Mm-hmm. And he makes sure that the daughters are taken care of and that they don't lose their land and that they set up a, he sets up a, something that makes sense inside of their culture that as they marry, like they actually go back and it goes back to their family name and, and some different things like that. But God makes sure that they're a provision for women in the midst of a patriarchal society that they're not forgotten yep. and left out to dry. So good. Right. That's a really big deal. And these are the things that are bookending the book of numbers. Like we see at the beginning, it's make sure nobody gets left behind, right? And make sure that you understand that when you camp, people are protected. And when you march, people are protected. And then on the back end, you see this story about these cities of refuge. And you say, if something bad happens among you, these are places you can go. Mm-hmm. And oh, by the way, these daughters who are on the outside, we're going to make sure that they're brought back in. Mm-hmm. It's almost chiastic mm-hmm. in its story. Because it's it's bookending this book of numbers, which is not about numbers per se. It's about making sure everybody in the community counts. So good. Yeah, the book of numbers, Ben's put it beautifully, but the book of numbers, a big part of it is making sure everyone's accounted for. Yeah. And you'll see that throughout the book as well, making sure everyone's there. So I was thinking about this whole wandering in the desert thing mm-hmm. a little bit more. And I've led backpacking trips. I've taken people on those and done all that. There's like a threshold you reach as far as how many people you're willing to take before you're like- 603,000? Before you're like- Is that, is that yeah. the number? <laughs> yeah. And and so for me, we did a backpacking trip last year, a friend and I did, and we took nine people. Mm-hmm. And that was okay. But we're, we talked about afterwards, yeah, we wouldn't want to take more than like 10 or 11 people max. Yeah. And so here, okay, you're going to go on a desert wandering trip for 40 years. Mm-hmm. By the way, I know there's probably 1.2 to 1.5 million of you. Uh-huh. Let's get a count. Yeah. The idea of leaving somebody behind, you could think of it be like, oh, well, it's like a whole nation traveling. It wouldn't be that hard. Actually, the more people you get mixed in, the more difficult it the is. The more difficult it is. Yeah. The more difficult it is to take care of everyone, to keep track of everyone. You'll see people get left behind. And there's the whole crowd mentality of, well, they're probably somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. But yet God in this story, at the end of the story, is saying, hey, you see these people? Yeah. They're going to be outcasts. Yeah. Don't leave them behind. Yeah. Don't leave them behind. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, you think about also, like, initially the plan isn't for them to be in there 40 years, mm-hmm. right? That happens with the bad report and, like, tons of stuff, which we'll get into. But they do end up being there for 40 years yeah. in the desert. Wandering a not very big desert. Right. There's other people who are wandering that desert or in that desert, like roaming people as well. But then you think about 40 years is a long time. Like how many people. It's your working career. Yeah. It's your working career. And there's people who are born in the desert. There's people who die in the desert. Mm -hmm. There's people who uh, are wed in the desert, like they become married. And so being able to attract people in a very real sense is is incredibly important for the health of the nation. Mm -hmm. It's not important if you don't care about people individually and you only care about people in power. But that's just not who God is. And so I think the tendency when you read something like numbers is you're like, oh, what's up with, you know, it's very specific. And like, why are we doing all these things? There's a very practical reason you would number people off. Mm -hmm. Right. Very practical because we are not God. We don't know all the sands on all the seashores and all those different things that kind of go with there. So we're not going to be able to track people all the time. 
and Moses is not going to be able to track them and like leaders aren't going to be able to track them. And it's so easy for people to be left out. And it's also really easy in places where there's a scarcity for the power to powerful to rule over the weak mm-hmm. and to marginalize the weak because might makes right, especially talking about coming from Egypt. And God says, no, yeah, you read Leviticus. That's not how we treat people. Mm-hmm. So Judah, you're going to lead the way. Dan, you're going to take up the rear. And Levites, you're going to keep my heart right at the center of this entire caravan. Mm-hmm. The entire way. Yeah. And as long as you stay under my cloud, I will protect you. Mm-hmm. Which is going to be really important when we come to the bronze snake. So just remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So good. Well, this is probably going to be a little bit of a shorter episode today, folks. That's probably good. We have to compensate for like the last one. It was yeah. long. So a little shorter episode today, but just to give you a taste of what you can expect from numbers. Like Ben said, buckle up. There are some really tough stories in this book. And we're going to try to tackle those best we can. If you haven't read the book of Numbers, go read through it. Come up with some questions, stuff like that. We'll be doing another Q&A a uh, a little while from now. Yeah, I'm going to give a a resource guide, actually. Mm -hmm. I think that would actually be really nice here. So we talk about reading the book of Numbers, and some people have trouble like sitting down and reading a book. Mm -hmm. There is an app. I'm going to see if I can link it in our show notes called Dwell. Yeah has a Bible in a lot of different translations with a lot of different narrators. They are not paying us. I'm just plugging them because I love their app. Mm-hmm. But they do a if, great job. Yeah, they do a great job. It is a paid app. There are some free features to it, but you can put yourself on different reading plans, different translations. I've read through, and I think, six or seven different translations mm-hmm. at this point listening. Uh, you might be surprised if you just listen to the book of Numbers how much you pick up. Yeah. We're going we're gonna to throw that as a link in there. I would highly encourage, in addition to reading your Bible, you start adding listening to your Bible. Absolutely. You guys can find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and once again, of course, at loveincontext at gmail.com. If you have questions for us, if you have complaints, send them to care of Spencer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be great. I will happily deal with your complaints. All right. See you guys soon. That's a wrap for today's episode. We want to extend a heartfelt thank you for tuning in and spending your valuable time with us. We hope that you found today's conversation insightful and that you take something meaningful from it. If you have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Reach out to us at loveandcontext at gmail.com, and we will be sure to get back to you. Remember, you can always engage with our content on all your favorite listening platforms, including Apple, Spotify, Amazon, YouTube, and one. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Love and Context on Instagram and Facebook for updates. Yeah, thanks, man. <laughs> I figured you shouldn't be the only one eating cookies. <laughs> we know we made it. Oh, yeah, that might get us demonetized. Of course, I don't think we're actually monetized. <laughs> so, good lord, didn't you. did you? How many of these did you eat? I had two. Yeah, whatever. I ate two. Nope, nope. No, no, it's all you. No, it's all you.